Trust me, Micah, it won't be that bad. (laughs) There's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's always dark before the dawn. We tell ourselves these things and others when we want to find hope, when we desperately grasp at anything to stave off despair. The worst has happened. We don't see any way out of it. And we look for anything that can help us deal with the pain and the loss. But we can be honest with ourselves, can't we, that sometimes these sayings, they just seem trite. They don't really seem to help much. We want hope, but all we find is sadness. That morning, they weren't looking for hope. As far as they were concerned, there wasn't any. A small group of women trudged to the graveyard at first light, expecting when they arrived to embalm their mentor, their teacher, their friend. They'd seen him die. There's no question that Jesus, like so many others before, was lifeless when they pulled him down from the cross. They carried his body, dead weight, to the tomb. And there they had to leave him because they didn't have time to do their embalming on Friday. So now they come back A few days later, after thinking about it, having it on their minds all weekend, now it's time to do what they've been dreading. Cemeteries aren't really a place where we go for hope. We go to remember, we go to grieve. But hope? I've been to a lot of cemeteries. Part of the job. It's never a happy thing. There's always tears. There's always grief. It's hard to find hope there among the dead. So no, they weren't looking for hope, but yet they found it. When the world leaves us with nothing but despair, when the broken universe we live in beats us down and ends in tears, friends, God has a way of bringing forth hope. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the man said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. They went to the grave. They found no body. They had attended an execution. There was no corpse. 
And Luke would speak to these witnesses. He did his research. He presents the facts of it to us here in the gospel. And if we put these facts together, the result is astonishing. It's convincing. Friends, it's hope. They arrive and the tomb is empty. Now Luke does not detail much of the burial. We get that from some of the other gospels. He's laid in a tomb. It's sealed with a large stone. A guard is set. The Roman authority presses the signet ring into it, saying, if you break this seal, you deal with us. But that morning, the guard is nowhere to be seen. The stone was moved. As they walked to the the cemetery, they had talked amongst themselves, who's going to move the tomb? Hope we can find somebody with a backhoe. The soldiers probably won't be so nice as to do it. And they arrive and nobody's there. Some say, well, they went to the wrong place. Hard to believe if you've ever buried a loved one. You know exactly where that's at. And it wouldn't be hard to find all of the Roman soldiers. They would have been just right over there. Oh, silly us. It's the one with the guard. And they get there, and they don't find anything like they expect. Even the body of Jesus is missing. They go in to do what they had come to do. How do you embalm a missing body? But they do find a couple people there. It says they were wearing dazzling apparel. Now, when, when, it's, when you read in the Bible and it talks about somebody wearing dazzling or radiant clothing, this isn't somebody who really likes their sequins. That's a reference to a heavenly being. Angels. With the glory of God shining even off their clothing. And as they talk to them, you know, these women... I. I I kind of wonder what it was like. They're trying to catch up to it mentally, trying to figure out what what had happened. They're grieving. They're sad. They've just, you know, they've experienced what may well have been the worst weekend of their life. And the angel starts talking to them like they're idiots. Well, I don't know why you were expecting to find him here. Of course he's not here. He told you this would happen. A little bit of a theme develops here for Luke 24. You should have seen it coming. You know, sometimes we'll hear something, but it just doesn't click in our heads. That ever happen? You know, I I look through here. You know, first service, I had to point out to the husbands, you know, guys, if you're married or been married, we've had this happen to us. You, your wife tells you something that just doesn't click, and then later, why didn't you understand? Happens to me, I know it's happened to all of you. I see a lot of you guys smiling. I see some of you ladies giving the elbow. Yeah, sometimes it just goes in one ear and out the other, doesn't it? Sometimes we're told something and we just don't have a mental box to put it in. We just don't understand even. We may think they're talking about something else. And that's kind of what had happened all throughout Jesus' ministry as he dropped these hints. As he told them what was to come. 
But then it says, they remembered his words. That's what he was talking about. Now it makes perfect sense. You know, the light bulb goes on. That happens a lot here. It falls into place in their minds and they are convinced. Now they have a hard time convincing anybody else of this. They're the first ones to see and they go forth and they start telling people. You know, it is interesting. I I even saw this this morning. Somebody saw somebody mention this. Said, you know, it wasn't the disciples who were at the tomb. It was these women. We wouldn't have an Easter celebration if it wasn't for these ladies who went and saw and told. But they weren't really believed at first because, well, back in that time, ladies, I'm sorry, your uh, testimony was not really seen as valid. They, they had to go see for themselves. So then you know, the disciples started coming and they started recognizing, wait a minute, something has indeed happened. These women are the very first to grasp this truth. Jesus is risen. They see the empty tomb. They talk to the angels. They remember the teachings. And they find the light in the darkness, that first bloom of hope in a land of despair. They see, they hear, they remember, they believe. But they're not going to be the last. No, because the tomb is empty. And the scriptures are clear. The angels at the tomb mentioned these words of Jesus that he had talked about it. But all of the scriptures, the entirety of the law and the prophets pointed to this moment. The scene shifts. There's a couple of unnamed disciples of Jesus headed to Emmaus. Emmaus was a nearby town, not that far away. They had apparently been in Jerusalem for the Passover. That's very common. And now they're headed home and they're talking about everything that had happened. We're not sure who these two are. Personally, I doubt they were two of the twelve. Probably some of the larger group of hangers-on. I imagine that Luke found this story out when he was doing interviews, when he was talking to people, when he was in Jerusalem as he traveled with Paul. He probably was introduced to somebody that says, oh, Luke, I've got a story for you. He says, we were going to the Mass. We were talking about everything, and then we met somebody. Jesus appears to them, but they don't recognize him. They're kept from recognizing him. They start discussing re- recent events. and they, 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 What do you think about what happened? And Oh, what do you mean what happened? What, do you live under a rock, dude, or something? You know, do, you, do, do you know nothing about Jesus of Nazareth? And you know, everything had to do with him this week. And they say we were hoping he would be the one to redeem Israel. We were hoping he would have led the revolution against Rome. 
They know what happened to him. They know he was crucified. They know the tomb was empty, and they're not sure what to make of any of this. And they are saying, well, we were hoping this, Jesus, we were hoping that Jesus would do this, but he didn't. And then Jesus explains the scriptures about the Messiah. He goes through the Old Testament and explains everything. Oh, would it, wouldn't it be grand to have an audio copy of that? <laughs> Man, that'd put an end to a lot of our speculation, wouldn't it? Eventually, they, they get to their destination. They're having dinner, and they hey, well, can you pray for us? Sure, he breaks the bread, gives thanks, and then they realize, that's Jesus! And then he disappears. Wait a minute! <laughs> they run right back to Jerusalem. They tell the apostles what had happened. They didn't understand what happened because they didn't understand the word of God. It wasn't clicking in their minds because they didn't really understand what God was talking about. That he had revealed this all along. No, resurrection is not a common or everyday thing. I can understand that it would take a little bit for people to realize, hey, they rose from the dead. Done a number of funerals. That's never happened before at any of them. Not really sure what I'd do. No, this doesn't happen every day, but I tell you, our God is an extraordinary God. And he had been talking about what would happen for all through the ages. You see, they had a hope. They were hoping Jesus would be this Messiah figure that they thought they were expecting, this Messiah who would lead the Jews against the Romans, kick them out, establish Jewish rule, we'd be back to the kings in Jerusalem, it'd be awesome. That's what they kept expecting. And then on the day of the crucifixion, they realized they weren't going to get it. So they were dejected, they were in despair as they left, but here... They realized they had the wrong hope. Oh, sometimes we get the wrong hope. You see, if we just elect the right people to the right offices and they put in the right laws, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. We're all going to be nice and Christian-y together. It'll be wonderful. Never works out that way, does it? Friends, our hope does not rest in the politics or the capitals of this world. This hope should not have been a surprise, but they just didn't see it coming because they were looking for the wrong hope. They looked to a Messiah who would redeem Israel and not humanity, who would cast out Rome and not sin, who would defeat empires but not death. You could have all those things but it still wouldn't deal with our problem. And as Jesus walked with them, he explained to them what God's word actually meant. And as they did that, they gave up their false hope and they got a better hope. They learned that this Messiah was for all. That he wasn't here to defeat emperors, he was here to defeat sin. 
He wasn't here to gain victory in politics. He was here to gain victory over death. That's a better hope, friends. But Jesus kept appearing to people. And now we find his friends are convinced. Luke records Jesus appearing to the remaining 11 disciples. Yes, 11. They are now down from 12. Judas had given his notice. He wasn't hanging around anymore. Yeah, it takes guts to make that joke, doesn't it, Chuck? Yeah. (laughs) These 11, they're afraid. Because they don't know if these leaders, if they want to finish the job, if they say to themselves, hey, there were these followers of Jesus, why don't we round, up, round them up? If we got rid of Jesus, the rest of them won't be a problem. And so they're hiding in a room. Jesus appears to them. They're afraid. They think he might even be a spirit. He might be a ghost. You know, is this Jesus' ghost? If it is, who are you going to call? What are you going to do? But Jesus pointed out he's not a ghost. He offers positive proofs that he is there, not as a spirit, but in body. His body wasn't in the tomb, friends, because he was using it again. He says, check out my hands, check out my feet. You see where the nails were? Ghosts can't do that. And it says he eats. Ghosts don't eat. It's like the old joke, you know, skeleton walks into a bar, goes up to the bartender, says, I want a drink and a mop. If you don't get it, just think about it later. No, only someone with an actual body, with flesh and blood and bones can do that. Friends, God didn't resurrect Jesus spiritually. He resurrected him bodily. They saw him die. They stood at the foot of the cross as he breathed his last, and now they see him live. Well, Jesus had to explain this to them. You know, Jesus is doing a lot of explaining here because as, you know, this is a lot to take in. I imagine if we'd have been there and we'd have only known what they knew, we probably would have been shocked too. And he points out his death, his resurrection, they were both foretold. And he says, now that you've, you've witnessed this, you need to go tell others. And they did. The Gospel of Luke leads straight into the book of Acts. Always thought it was, it was a bad thing to have the Gospel of John in between Luke and Acts. We should have put those right next to each other. Because you might as well just turn the page from Luke right into Acts, volume 1 into volume 2, where we learn they did go forth and tell. Yes, extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. Jesus is risen. Well, that proof was given to those who knew Jesus best. A shared shared hallucination? Not likely. 
How do you get that many people? It says even 500 people at one time recognized him. Man, you can't hardly even get 11 guys to agree on pizza toppings. And they all agreed that Jesus lived again. That he rose from the dead. He was in their midst. They saw him. They spoke with him. They touched him. They saw him eat. An imposter? How are you going to fool somebody who's, with, who's one of his best friends? You spend three years with somebody, you know them. They wouldn't have been fooled. No, his friends believed. They went forth, they told others, and they didn't stop. Early on, they tried to kill one of them. Put James, the brother of John, to death with the sword. That doesn't stop them. They keep telling. They go places. They are jailed. They are beaten. And they are not stopped. It couldn't have seemed more bleak, but then it couldn't have been any more joyous. What turns despair to hope? It is the resurrection of the Son of God. Friends, Jesus is risen and that changes everything for us. Because death isn't the end. You know, you look up here, you see these lilies. Friends, each of these lilies stands for somebody. Someone that we have known and loved and lost. You know what? That's not the end. Yeah, I've been at the graveside of many of people who worshipped here in these pews. When you're with a church for a quarter century, you say goodbye to a lot of friends. But you know what? We're going to see them again. We look forward, not to the grave, but to what lies beyond. Not to death, but to life. Because we know that our sin, it's not the final word. God's grace overcomes it. The gospel doesn't end with the crucifixion, with our sin there nailed to the cross in Christ. The gospels end with the risen Lord. Yes, our sin is why he died. God's grace is his life. So we see that our failures, don't deter, they don't define our destiny. You're sitting there, I'm sure you're, you're thinking, well, I'm not perfect. Well, I know I'm not perfect. I can't see why any of you'd be perfect. Every last one of us, we got our problems, don't we? You know what? Doesn't matter. Because God's grace overcomes it. Our destiny is not defined by our failures because Jesus has given us a new one. And we get that when we believe that Jesus has risen. You don't have to go on a quest to find the Holy Grail. You don't have to give a certain amount of money 
You don't have to be this good a person. No, you have to believe. By belief, we take hold of the promise. By belief, we gain that forgiveness. By belief, we obey and become more like Christ. By belief, we receive the Spirit. By belief, we obtain the hope of eternal life. Friends, that's the hope we find in the empty tomb. Ironic that we find hope in a graveyard. But isn't that where we need it? When we look at the end that awaits each and every one of us, friends, our God overcomes it. From darkness to light, from despair to hope, from death to life, friends, Christ is risen and he has changed everything. Stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. We praise you for you have given us life and hope in your son, Jesus. Lord, help us to believe. Help us to take hold of this new destiny, this eternal life that you have for us. Draw us to you. Help us to live for you so we can live eternally with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.